This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place where we tease apart what it means to be a conscious parent and a conscious human on the wild ride of parenting. I am your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline lead trainer, parent coach, and mom walking the path right next to you as I imperfectly raise my own two teens. Joyful Courage is all about grit, growth on the parenting journey, relationships that provide a sense of connection and meaning, and influential tools that support everyone in being their best selves. As you listen to today's show, pay attention to how grit shows up in the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I am deeply honored to lead you, grateful that what I put out matters to you, and so, so excited to keep it coming. If you love the show, please take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Let your friends know you are listening and finding value in this podcast. Enjoy the show. Hey, listeners. Today, my guest is Leslie Priscilla. Leslie is a first-generation non-Black Chicana mother to three biracial children, ages eight, three, and two. She is a descendant of indigenous Tarahumara Raramuri, (laughs) I did my best on that pronunciation, and Spanish lineages who resides in occupied Tonba and Hashiman land, also known as Orange County, California, all of her life. She's a fellow SoCal girl. Leslie shares her medicine by offering coaching, workshop support, and advocacy for Latinx, Chicanx families locally, nationally, and internationally, both in person and online via the Latinx Parenting Organization. She founded this bilingual organization and movement intentionally rooted in children's rights, social and racial justice, the individual and the collective practice of nonviolence and reparenting, intergenerational and ancestral healing, cultural sustenance, and the active decolonization of oppressive practices in our families. Formerly an early childhood teacher and a one-on-one behavior coach, 
Leslie has worked with children and families for over 13 years. She has a dual degree in child development and family studies, as well as family life education from Cal State University, Long Beach, and attended the master's in social work program at Cal State Fullerton before pausing to focus on her babies and the Latinx parenting movement. Leslie is trained as a facilitator in various parent education curricula, including trauma-informed nonviolent parenting, positive discipline, supporting fatherhood involvement, community parent education, and others. She has facilitated groups in both Spanish and English for hundreds of parents in schools, transitional homes, teen shelters, drug rehabilitation centers, and family resource centers throughout Orange County, California. Over the years, Leslie has long worked within mental health agencies in positions serving as interim director of parent education for the Child Abuse Prevention Center in Orange County, youth and professional program managers, manager for NAMI Orange County, and as a consultant for the Dads Matter program of Children's Bureau. Oh my gosh, I am so thrilled to be sharing her with all of you. Leslie, I've been waiting to say this. Welcome to the podcast. Woo! I'm so happy to yes. be here, Stacey. Thank you. Oh my gosh. And I just have to tell you when I got your bio and I mean, I already knew you were amazing, but getting your bio and really learning all the different ways that you have worked to support families and in your community, I'm just, I'm so inspired and in awe of everything that you've already done. And it's just such a privilege to get to talk to you. Thank you so much. And yes, it's it's been a privilege for me to work in my community and to be able to support parents is like the ultimate, as you know. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to give all of you listeners some background. I first met Leslie at the Diversity in Parenting Conference in 2019, and I sat in on her talk, Dejando la Chancla. Chancla. I said that yes. right. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> Reframing Latinx family traditions towards the preservation of culture and resilience for bicultural children. It was a powerful talk. I didn't know anything about La Chancla culture, about La Chancla as a parenting tool. Will you share a little bit more about this tradition? Yes. And I will say that that was about an hour long presentation at that conference. And I've since expanded it into an eight hour professional training, which is wild to me. But, um, you know, I really want to highlight the strengths in Latinx culture and Latinx families. There's a lot of stereotypes of Latinx families using very oppressive strategies, um, and some of them are rooted in truth. And so one of those um, stereotypes is that all Latina mothers use la chancla, which is, um, you know, the translation in English would be the sandal or the flip-flop to discipline Mm -hmm. their children. So, you know, your child acts up, they're quote-unquote disrespectful to you, and you fling this sandal at their head, right? And um, so that is really normalized in a lot of Latinx media. Um, It's something that brings us together. We have this like shared understanding of La Chancla and and growing up in these families. And so as I started learning more a few years ago around just, you know, Latinx parents and their trends in parenting, um, I came to realize that this is something that was rooted in having been colonized, um, Latin American people having been colonized. And so that's what the presentation was about. If you'll remember, um, you know, we talked a lot about how 
and doesn't serve us. You know, it doesn't serve mm-hmm. us to continue these practices. Um, although a lot of people will really hold on to that and say, but this is just our culture. And so my part of my mission is to really dispel that myth that this is actually not our culture. This is something that was brought upon us and inflicted upon us as a people as a result of colonization. So that's kind of you know, the gist of what that presentation was. Yeah. Can you speak more into that, into um, how colonization brought that tradition? Because I am I am guessing, Leslie, that my listeners are not educated in all of this. So will you help them? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I will. I will so help them. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm really influenced by the work of Stacey Patton, who you might be familiar with. And Stacey Patton wrote this really beautiful book called Spare the Kids, which is very similar to the book that I'm writing around ending chunkla culture. But her focus is on Black children and Black families. And so um, what I've learned is that, you know, pre-colonization, the majority of Native and Indigenous tribes um, practice. And, and the reason I know this is because a lot of these Indigenous tribes are still very much here, mm-hmm. still passing down these family traditions. They were very collaborative. They were very attuned to their children. They saw children as whole spirits to be honored, to be celebrated. Um, they involved them. They, you know, they they lived in harmony with their children. It was very harmonious. And mm-hmm. there are some exceptions, obviously, but for the most part, we see indigenous um, people still living in harmony with nature, in harmony with their children. And so this is not anything new, right? This is something that I'm hoping that we can reclaim Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to gentle parenting. And so when um, European colonizers came to the Americas, whether it was in the United States or, you know, and my ancestry is Mexico, right? And Mm -hmm. so when the Spanish conquistadors came here, um, they created things like the case system. They created these very power over dynamics Mm -hmm. upon the indigenous peoples and then upon enslaved peoples also that were brought here from Africa. And so we adopted those as a means of surviving. Mm -hmm. Um, We adopted those oppressive strategies. We let them seep into, we didn't let them, we didn't like allow it, but like in order to survive, we had to adopt some of those same behaviors. And so I needed to keep my child in line in any and every way that I could so that this colonizer over here didn't murder them in front of me. Right. didn't kill them. And so for Black people, it's very similar. Um, Obviously, you know, we're different cultures, but we really relate on that piece around um, how we had to adapt by utilizing these oppressive strategies that we learned from Europeans um, that came here. And so if you look at the history of childhood in Europe, you know that it was centuries and centuries of dismal treatment of children. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really influenced by People like Robin Grill, um, who wrote Parenting for a Peaceful World and talks about childhood in Europe. And so all of those practices were brought here. And now, you know, we see Indigenous peoples adopting them. And now we have, you know, this whole idea of chancla culture being our culture. And I'm like, no, it's actually something that was um, imposed. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking also about just how unsafe the world is right now for right especially here in the United States for black and brown people. And it just breaks my heart that there is a different level of, no, you need to show up a certain way to stay alive. Yeah. I mean, that's the conversation, right? And so I think what, what gets lost along the way is what does that actually do to a child's brain? You know, does that actually get 
black and brown children to the point of liberation, to the point of empathy, to the point of speaking up, right? So Mm -hmm. a lot of times, and this is a quote from Dr. Stacey Patton, she says a lot of times parents are children's first oppressors. And, Mm -hmm. um, And when we see things that way, then we can, you know, contextualize parenting in a way that um that hopefully will liberate them right so the way that they practice speaking up first is in our homes the way that they practice saying no Mm -hmm. to authority is first in our homes Mm -hmm. um and if we do not allow for that sometimes then they will not be able to practice that right and so by the time the world is telling them you don't matter um your life doesn't matter you are small you are unworthy we believe that Mm-hmm. Right, as adults, because that's what we've been told our whole lives by our parents. And so it's not to blame or shame our parents. It's just that they also fell into that again in order to survive. That's what that's what we have been told. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking about how many people are making serious money supporting <laughs> adults in recognizing their own worthiness and their enoughness and, you know, all the things that yeah. we're carrying on. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP?, it offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. 
That's code JOYFUL50 at factormeals.com slash JOYFUL50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. I know that from my work with parents, um, there's often less and less, but you know, there will sometimes be people who reflect on that authoritarian style, that kind of top-down violent or Mm -hmm. at least oppressive style, however it looks, being inflicted on them and will respond kind of with like, listen, I that's what I dealt with. That's how they kept me in line and I turned out okay. How does this show up with the parents that you're serving? So we get that a lot, right? Like chancla culture is what made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like if I hadn't had that sandal thrown at my head, then I wouldn't be who I am. And I agree with that. You know, I don't think that you would be advocating for violence against children if that had been right. <laughs> if that had been the case. So, um, you know, I always think about how if the idea of disciplining children because you don't like their behaviors um, by using harsh strategies, whether it be la chancla or shaming or, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of these other tactics that um, are not very gentle, if those were applied to our partners, yeah. you know, if something my husband said or did was not something I wanted him to do, could I throw a sandal at his head? You know, like, could I, could I put him in timeout, right? Like, could right. I shoot him and tell him, like, what the heck is wrong with you? Like, you know, act like an adult, like, be better, right? And and so I feel like when we see these, this normalization of chancla culture of just, like, oppressive strategies in homes um, perpetuated in media or even social media, mm-hmm. um, that's the question I ask. What if this was a man treating a, his wife that way? Mm. You know, what if this was a partner treating their partner this way? And so that's kind of where the conversation stops, right? Because people will say, well, that's that's adults treating adults, right? Like it's different. And so it comes down to us not seeing children as whole beings to be honored, mm-hmm. um, only valuing adults, right? Like this adult supremacy idea where like yes. adults have the right to be respected, but children don't right? Because I want my children to grow up in this very specific way, then that means that I have to disrespect them. I have to teach them respect by disrespecting them. And it doesn't make any sense. You know, when when people are open to those conversations, I think it's very productive. But there are people that are not ready to have that conversation that really believe that they did turn out okay. And so my mission is not to change their minds. My mission Mm -hmm. is to hope that one day they will change their heart and to remember that Mm -hmm. child within themselves um, that really did not deserve that. Yeah, man, our conditioning just makes such an intense impact on how we show up as parents, Uh, especially in those stressed and overwhelmed moments. I know I was just talking about this with somebody else. Like there were definitely some practices that I decided long ago that will not be, I will not create that with my Mm -hmm. kids. (laughs) And then I'm stressed and overwhelmed and I slide right in to that Mm -hmm. conditioning. And it's, I mean, it happens way less now than when my kids were little. I've been, Mm -hmm. you know, actively, mindfully practicing something different for a long time. But just the other night, I had a situation with my 18-year-old daughter come up and my, I felt a sense of hurt and I slid right into this passive aggressive 
Ugh, gross response to her. And she, God bless her, she is my teacher and is, you know, has grown me since the beginning. She was like, why are you acting like this? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, man, if I would have asked that question at her age in that situation to my mom, it would not have worked out very well for me. But I was so grateful for her to kind of, she kind of shook me out of it. Yeah. And I realized, oh gosh, wow. Yes. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. It's really funny because she, I mean, like my daughter is nine and she stumps me in that way all the time. The other day I heard her talking to her sister in a really, you know, one of those ways where I was mm-hmm. just like, don't, don't talk to your sister that way, you know, and my tone got very protective of my mm-hmm. younger daughter. And I was like, do not talk to her that way. And she's like, do not talk to me that way. And I was like, oh, <laughs> right. 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 I'm trying to get her to change her behavior towards her sister by doing the exact same thing she's doing to her sister, but to her. And so I had to take a breath and kind of like take a step back, like walk it back a little bit and like get really intentional again. But lack of sleep, lack of nutrition, yeah. you know, added stress from from work or whatever, like those things are very much what come into play in those moments. Mm -hmm. And I think when we have very prescriptive ways of handling parenting, as Mm -hmm. opposed to just being something that we shift in ourselves and that we try to embody as much as we can, because obviously she learned that from me. Yeah. You know, she learned that way of being from me. And so I have to humble myself to the point where I can recognize that. And so that fortunately is because of many years of therapy where I can take ownership of my behaviors as a parent or just as a human um, and come back and make that reparation. But a lot of us are not at that point yet. Right. So if she were to talk back to me that way, or if I were to talk back to my mom that way um, as a child, that would not have been received. You know, that would have, I would have gotten hit or I would have gotten punished in other ways. I would have told that I was, I would have been told that I was disrespectful or, you know, just made to feel terrible about myself. Right. And so um, it's a lot to balance um, parenting in these new ways. Right. And, but again, I really draw a lot of strength from knowing that my ancestors, you know, had these values Mm -hmm. a long time ago. And so drawing from that, and then also knowing that I'm parenting for the long term. I'm not parenting shifts right now. I'm parenting for her children, you know, and their children. Yeah. I just had this conversation with same daughter. (laughs) I only have one. Um, And there was something happening. And I, I said, gosh, you know, I I can't wait for you to have a teen daughter and see how the dynamic works out. And she's like, it's going to be fine, mom. And I sat with that and I thought, you know what? It is going to be a lot finer for Mm -hmm. her because you know, as imperfect as I am, I'm super aware of what I'm creating in my relationship with my child. And because of that, I'm not passing on all the baggage. I'm sure I'm passing on something. I'm not going (laughs) to act like I've completely (laughs) mastered all of this, but the baggage, you know, the bag that she's going to be holding from how she was parenting, parented, hopefully it'll be a lot lighter and a lot smaller. Um, and I realized like, gosh, yeah. And, and just talking about respect and, and humbling ourselves, you know, I, I realize like that is such a big ask for people. I mean, I just, I love it. I love being vulnerable. I love having these meaningful, open, honest, raw conversations. And I forget that it's really terrifying for some people to consider that, you know, to shift from, I can't let my kid get away 
with treating me like this Mm -hmm. into, hmm, let me see what I can discover about myself and how can I look at this from a broader perspective and what does my child actually need right now versus, you know, I, I consider it like parenting from the hip versus parenting from the heart. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and attuning, right. And like constantly attuning to your own, your own inner child's needs too. And like, oh my gosh, why am I acting in these, in these patterns and these patterned ways of being? And, And usually it's connected to something that we are still processing. Um, which is, you know, the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And you've already said, you know, that it's not about blaming our parents. It's, you know, and I love that you have that anchoring into, you know, how your ancestors actually were in relationship with their children. And I read an interview that you did and you talked about just how respect is so deep, such a deeply held value in Latinx families. How do you walk the line of challenging this like embedded thing inside of the culture and, you know, quote, respecting your elders? Yeah, I think part of it is, and I talk about decolonization a lot. And part of Mm -hmm. what I mean by decolonization is to not look at things as binaries, right? And to hold dualities within concepts. And so when it comes to respecting our elders, when it comes to um, living as much as we can in harmony with our parents, um, part of that is to understand what their circumstance, what their circumstances were, um, what their life paths you know, created the conditions that their life paths created in order to get to the point that they were parenting you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I hold a lot of compassion and that value of respect is a very healthy value. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's not about the value itself. It's about the method, you know, and whether the method is effective, Mm. Um, whether the method is actually going to teach respect or is it going to teach fear, which is going to create disconnection, which is actually not what our parents want, right? Our parents did not want us to grow up and be disconnected from them. Mm. Um, and so I hold the, the, the duality of our parents did the best they can mm-hmm. with what they had, with the tools, with the resources, with the information, with the community that they had, and it still hurt us. Mm-hmm. And so separating those two but accepting them mm-hmm. equally, right? Like those those things just exist. I think we get really caught up in if I acknowledge that my parents harmed me, it ne- it negates, it will negate everything that they ever did for me, mm-hmm. um, which can be a very heavy, burdensome, guilty feeling for us. And a lot of the work is just to kind of dispel that guilt a little bit, you know, and kind of peel it away um, as gently as as we can and to hold those dualities versus look at it as a binary, I think has been really Mm -hmm. helpful for people. Um, And looking at it through that lens of decolonization, right? Another thing that um, I talk about is that we lived in much more expansive ways um, where it wasn't, you know, boys wore this and girls wore this, you know, men and women had to just, you know, be with each other, et cetera. So there's there's other layers to Mm -hmm. it as well. But I think as much as we can move away from binary, Um, and move towards holding dualities okay. and both ands, um, it really kind of helps us as parents to say, yeah, I messed up today, you know, and I'm still a good parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing the best I can and I hurt my child's feelings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I think that that's kind of how I, I have been able to move through at least my own challenges with parenting. So what are some other pieces that come from culture as far as like gender and 
I'm fascinated by the gender conversation too. Um, yeah, definitely. And we're actually going to, um, at the time of this recording, we have this very specific mm-hmm. workshop coming up around raising liberated hijas, which means daughters in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And, and so part of the reason that we're holding that is because so many of us um, girls, and I don't think that it's just Latinx culture. I think that this exists yeah. in most cultures, if not all cultures, but we were told that um, in Spanish, there's a saying that goes calladita te ves más bonita which means when you are quieter you look prettier Mm. um and so that tells you a lot you know that tells you a lot about how what what was expected of us um we were expected to be submissive and this is all tied into the concept of marianismo which is very much um around self-sacrificing and Mm -hmm. um you know the maria paradox where you have to be where you have to be like the Virgin Mary um, and be mm-hmm. humble and meek and, and all of these things. And so I think a lot of us in my generation are understanding that. Thankfully, the internet is something that we have access to mm-hmm. now. So we can see the trajectory and we can also now see how that has harmed us, how that has prevented us from using our voice, how that has prevented us from having deep nurturing relationships with our mothers now. Um, and so, you know, the way that girls are raised, it's it's not just supportive of patriarchy but it's really supportive of oppression in general you know and i think it's not just men that contribute to it Mm -hmm. um it's also oftentimes women Mm -hmm. that will uphold patriarchy right in the home and say you know you must respect your father like even if your father is abusive like he's your father and you have to respect your father and so you know I, i think it's really interesting that a lot of us are kind of waking up to mm-hmm. this idea that we do have a voice, that we can have a say, that we don't necessarily need to stay calladita, stay quiet mm-hmm. to look pretty or whatever. We don't even have to look pretty, right? <laughs> whatever, whatever that means, <laughs> right? right? And so, um, so yeah, I mean, it's again, like it's very much something that we see in Latinx culture and in other cultures um, yeah. is, this, is this patriarchal value. Well, and I just love, you know, as we focus on our, our hijas, that our, our hijos also get to see liberated women. Yes. Right. And, you know, I mean, the gender thing is, it's, it it is, it's pretty wild how ingrained and embedded in our, who we are, it can show up, or at least for me, I notice it all the time, um, how I treat one versus the other. And again, awareness and cleaning it up and doing what I need to do to highlight and bring um, just a deeper, a bigger lens to it. Mm -hmm. And I do it all very externally so that it's not just my own internal, like, oh, damn, I just did that one thing again. It's very much like, oh, wow, guess what I just did, you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very much out in the open, Um, which I think is really powerful. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Um, I love following you on Instagram. I love your page. Everyone who's listening, um, you need to head over and follow Leslie at Latinx Parenting. Your posts are always so thought provoking for me and much more often than not provide me with a, a lens that I haven't ever looked through or considered or been invited to look through. Mm. And, um, you're just like, you're doing such important work and educating so many people. And I'm just really grateful for you. And I'm grateful that you, you know, you aren't quiet, (laughs) you know, that you've really pushed back against that cultural norm and said, no, I'm going to speak up. And man, things get super heated sometimes over there on the Latinx parenting Instagram feed. Um, Talk to me about showing up for that because I'm in awe of you and, and your gumption. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. It depends on the day for me, right? It depends on whether I feel like I have the energetic capacity to get into it. Um, I have to really sit with posts sometimes because I know the ones that are going to cause a stir Mm -hmm. before they go out just based on what I've shared before. Um, And I do feel like I am here with a purpose, you know, I'm here with a mission um, and I have to stay true and loyal to that mission. Am I loyal to my people? Yes. But sometimes you're not going to be able to see how that that gumption or that mission Mm. is loyalty to our people and to the liberation of our people. Um, when you are so caught up in, in, you know, other ways of being and, uh, and ideologies that you think are, um, something to preserve, right? Like Mm. you're wanting to preserve patriarchy, but you're not seeing it that way. You're wanting to preserve, Mm. um, adult supremacy, but you're not necessarily seeing it that way yet. Um, and so some of these posts do, create a lot of conversation. And I think all conversation Mm -hmm. is really good. You know, I think all discourse, although I do draw a line um, when it comes to um, centering black lives and and brown lives and Mm -hmm. um, children, right? So we protect our most marginalized, um, we uplift them, we center them. And so when 
people are coming in with comments saying, you know, no, we should all be our children. Most likely you're going to get deleted and blocked from mm-hmm. that platform. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I'm not, I'm not there to protect um, the feelings of people that benefit from a lot of these systems that have kept so many of us oppressed for so long. So I'm there to protect the vision and I'm there to protect children and I'm there to hopefully again, uplift and center um, the mm-hmm. most marginalized but you know i'm i'm constantly held accountable also right and mm-hmm. um and there is just so much to talk about and and so i see instagram as a creative outlet but i also see it as kind of like the billboard um for latinx parenting and and fortunately and surprisingly it has grown to what it has grown yeah People girl yeah i mean for a long Amazing. time i had a lot of hesitation i was like the latinx community is not ready for this conversation and we really are you know mm-hmm. and 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 it really um i got this really beautiful message from somebody once that said i had been following your page and i ended up stop like I stopped following you for a while because I just became too uncomfortable with mm-hmm. some of the posts and now I'm back and I'm ready to digest that information mm-hmm. and so that was just so affirming of what I've always held and believed mm-hmm. um when it comes to people coming to the work when they are ready you know and me not feeling yeah. pressured or um you know forced to try to change anybody's mind like people are in their processes some people may die and never get to the point where they reevaluate their parenting yeah i cannot you know hold um i cannot attach my work and my value to that but i can to people who are ready to people who are open to people who are having those dialogues and and seeking the support um and doing their own inner work so yeah it's it's definitely a busy place on the IG. Yes, it is a busy place and you've got workshops and trainings that you're doing and you have young kids. And I mean, like Leslie, you are not just centering Latinx families. Like you, you know, you've already said you are centering so many different marginalized communities and you have young kids. And I was thinking about you and writing this outline. And I was like, I wanted to ask you, where do you get your energy from? But then I realized that's not really the question that I want to ask. And I realized like, well, I'm recognizing my own privilege because I'm a middle-class white woman. I don't have generational trauma. I have some stuff for sure, but it looks different. And rarely do I feel threatened by the world that I move around in. So rather than where do you get your energy from, I want to ask how I and the people listening can support you and your work. Wow. (laughs) Thank you, Casey. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that we will only reach our collective liberation if we continue to uplift each other's, Mm -hmm. you know, um, each other's joy, each other's work. And so many white people, fortunately, have reached out and contributed to scholarship funds um, for, you know, some of the workshops that we do. Um, I have like a couple, just a couple of like $10 monthly donations, both of them from white women, you know, they're just really forthcoming and and really wanting to be um, allies and Mm -hmm. co-conspirators. And so I think more of that is always welcome. I think, um, 
you know, just being very respectful. I had a conversation with um, a white woman earlier who had signed up for an offering that we had meant to advertise as Latinx and BIPOC only. Mm-hmm. And she asked, she said, I signed up for this, um, but I just want to make sure if it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know, actually, this is going to just be for Latinx and BIPOC folks, but hopefully mm-hmm. down the line, we'll have other offerings mm-hmm. where white folks are, are welcome to join. And so that, that respect is really valuable, mm-hmm. you know, where you're not, assuming that like everything is yeah. for you right right um, we're kind of bad about that no <laughs> <laughs> sorry speaking for all white people leslie i'm really sorry about that <laughs> no it's okay i mean i was really surprised in one of the courses that i taught it is meant for uh latinx and bipoc people only but i had a non-bi- non-binary um white person in the course and they were so respectful they were just so sad and wanting to figure out how best to serve, Mm -hmm. you know, figure out how best to undo harm that they felt their lineage had caused. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I found that so powerful. And I didn't, I didn't even really say that I had, you know, so many other people in that course kind of unmute themselves and say, I really appreciate that. That's really valuable. Um, So just, you know, watching that, watching the respect, watching the, um, and the support, obviously, in whatever capacities, right? Because I know yeah. people are parents too. So, well, do you have like a Venmo or a PayPal or some link I can drop in the show notes, Leslie? I have a, that... piggy, a piggy bank. Okay, great. <laughs> translate just mail, that into I'll just a... mail around. I'll just, <laughs> just mail around my piggy bank. <laughs> um, and maybe this is something that we can talk about after, and like I can get it in the show notes for when the show goes live. But I would just love to make it really easy for my listeners, and you know, to both. Yes, support scholarship funds, but I know it costs, I mean, people don't really realize from the outside looking in, Mm -hmm. it costs money to run these parenting businesses. And we're not like racking it in, you guys. Like, (laughs) yeah, you know, we're hustling as parent educators and coaches and people that are trying to support families. So I would just love uh, to be able to either fundraise for you or do something that is in support of the work that you're doing. Because I know- So we have a, we have a Patreon, so I will say. Oh, great. Okay. Um, And I think it's just patreon.com slash Latinx parenting. And there's like a $5, $10 and $35 a month here. Um, There's perks that come with it. I've been very kind of um, hands off of it the last month or so, but um, you know, for people that just want to support that just want to contribute $5 a month, just for the Instagram content or just Mm -hmm. for, you know, whatever they've benefited from it, that is there for them. Um, we we will continue to have that be a scholarship fund um, and then just Great. you know have that be something that supports us. Okay, perfect. I will put that in the show notes, everyone, so that you can be in support of Leslie. <sighs> well, is there anything else that you want to share with my community? Is there anything that you wish that we all kind of knew better? <laughs> yeah, one or, you know, think... one or two things, Leslie. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm. Oh my goodness. Um, I. Th- think that one of the things that I would just invite everybody to do is to just remember, you know, just to remember themselves as children as often as possible, just to have a picture of yourself as a child up, you know, and and look at it as much as you can. There's so much power in that remembering Mm -hmm. and you cannot parent your children without reparenting yourself. Mm. You know, and so that's kind of, I think, what I would want to to end with. But I think that that, you know, just as simple as that, you can't parent your children without reparenting yourselves. And, and there is power in remembering that inner child. Yes. 
What does joyful courage mean to you? Joyful courage to me means very much what Brene Brown would talk about when it comes to, you know, just being brave, showing up mm-hmm. as yourself and and finding joy in the experience of living, not just parenting, right? Like mm-hmm. really living and receiving all of the beauty um, and experiencing all of the joy. I think we tend to forget to enjoy our kids because we focus so much on parenting them and all the how-tos, you know, like all the tools. And so I think that joyful courage is really allowing ourselves to celebrate the experience as a whole. Beautiful. So we talked about Instagram. Where else can people find you and follow your work? Yeah, we have a Facebook, we have a Twitter, um, we have a, and all of them, you could just Google Latinx Parenting Twitter and it'll come up. Okay. Um, you, We have a, for anybody who is Latinx or identifies as a Latinx parent, we have a Facebook group that you can join called Latinx Parents Practicing Nonviolence, which you can access through the Facebook page, the Latinx Parenting Facebook page. Um, again, we have our Patreon and pretty soon we will um, have a relaunch of our website. Probably by the time people listen to this, there will be mm-hmm. a new website. So definitely check out the website, um, latinxparenting.org and subscribe so that you can know when everything is happening. Beautiful. Yay. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you again for listening. So appreciate you. If you feel inspired and you haven't already, do me a favor and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We are working hard to stand out and make a massive impact on families around the globe. Your review helps the Joyful Courage podcast to be seen, to be suggested, to even more parents. If the review isn't your jam, just snap a screenshot and share it on Instagram or Facebook. Tag Joyful Courage and I will repost it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, be sure to follow me in all the places. I love connecting with you on social media. I'm so grateful for you. Don't forget to check out the membership at joyfulcourage.com LJC. Enrollment closes at the end of July. Okay, friends, take a deep breath, ride it into your body, find the balcony seat for perspective and trust that everyone's going to be okay. I'll see you next week. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.